Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome in to episode 74 of The Grid, the show that is currently fasting. Actually, that's just me. I'm doing a little fast right now. I'm Gabe Myers. Alongside me, as always, is Mike Foreman. And Mike, it wouldn't be February if we didn't continue to talk realignment in the, in the crossroads. Yeah. While you're fasting, I'm slowing. You're, so, you're slowing. <laughs> so uh, anyways, uh, yeah, uh, big news this week. Uh, uh, VISD Athletic Director Spencer Gann announced that uh, Victoria West uh, is appealing um, its assignment you know, on realignment day, which put it in a district uh, with Kerrville, Tyvee, and Bernie, and San Antonio schools, um, asking to be put in the Corpus district for travel reasons. And um, if you look at the uh, numbers, uh, if you go the mileage and look at it, they have a case. Um, and, you know, one thing we, uh, we have to remind people, it's we're not just talking about varsity games where you have one bus that goes what three road games a year we're talking about jv freshmen we're talking about drill team drill team band you know you're talking about quite a bit of mileage and not only that you're talking about getting back of course you know well your varsity plays friday but i mean your jv two three o'clock yeah your jv is getting back very late and has to turn around and go to school the next day so um they've got a case i i don't know i would say if i had to be you know wager on this i would say 60 40 no that would be my guess so so i have a question for you because i think a lot of people are like me in a sense where they're a little naive about this, how the process works, what's it, what gets taken into consideration. So my, my big question here is, we talked about this last week. I wanted to know what the logic was from the UIL behind the decision to put the district in. I, I'm, I'm just curious as, cause you know, there was, there were conversations had, there were, this was done for a reason. Is there any chance that during the hearing, we get to hear the reason for that from the state executive committee from the UIL? I really doubt it because re- realistically, I, in all the realignments I recall, I don't remember the, you know, the UIL giving explanations. You know, I mean, they they put the bands up on the board and figure it out. But this thing is is bizarre in the sense that, okay, uh, you've got a 17 district over here, which you know, with the San Antonio schools. And right now, Corpus has a six-team district. so Both districts are six without Victoria West. Yeah. It's not a numbers thing. I know. So, I mean, I don't understand, you know, why they decided to put West over here as opposed to in Corpus. You know, um, I mean, l- let's face it. Let's be honest here. From a competitive standpoint, obviously West wants to be in the Corpus district. Because, I mean, with the exception of GP and Miller, Miller, I mean, those teams have not shown to be very competitive. Whereas in the other district, I think they may be fighting to get fourth. So, you know, that, but that you cannot appeal on competitive basis. 
The only uh, appeal I remember uh, working is a few years back, Alice and Cal Allen were moved to a valley district, and they appealed and they won. They were brought back up to uh, Beeville, I believe, and possibly Calhoun. Uh, but as uh, our friend Quentin Martinez pointed out from the uh, Caller Times, uh he pointed out that it, this is not Phil Danaher appealing. So, yeah. But uh, the fact that, you know. We is he fa- available? <laughs> the fact that uh, Spencer uh, Gant just made this decision Monday, you know, what, uh, as opposed to it took him, what, five, six days after the realignment? No, realignment was on Thursday, Thursday. so it, it basically just through the weekend. Yeah, but that, that shows me they looked at this very carefully. And he said they studied it very carefully. And, uh, okay, so the first step, as we talked about, is you have to get approval, a majority approval from the district you want to leave and the district you want to get in. And they got neither. Well, I I don't think the reason I think they got a they uh, got a no vote from the uh, San Antonio district is because that would leave those teams the without sch- a week schedule, five game. The scheduling and boy, believe it. me, it's hard to find a week five. It's game. hard to find a week five game, and also hard to find one yeah. five A division two this late already. Yeah. Kind of in, even though it's realignment, we're yeah. a week removed. Yeah. These game, you know, you see teams releasing their schedule now. These games are made; they're set in stone. Yeah, so it's hard to uh, to do that. And uh, obviously, if uh, they went into the other district, then that becomes a seventeen district, and that can change some things too. So well, uh, and then not only that, it's I mean, a CCISD school gets left out of the postseason yeah. more oh, than likely. Oh, yeah, Victoria that, West gets in. There, so. There's no question about that, but. Uh, you know, that is something that you're not going to hear West even mention. Right. Because, like I said, the UIL is not going to – they're not going to approve anything based on competitiveness. Because, I mean, look, if you really want examples, look at Refurio. I mean, they put them back south. They put them in the – where they're just going to roll everybody. I'm sure they are. And that's the district where they set the state record for points and people were blasting them for running up the score. It was the same thing with Alito when Alito was in the Fort Worth ISD district. They were killing people. Yeah. And, I mean, um, That's where know, I think Jonathan Grace at the state yeah, rushing record I mean, at they, that time. They can't, you know, what do you expect these teams to do? I mean, that to me is on the UIL. But you cannot argue that you want to move for competitive right. reasons. So, you know, everything that Spencer presents to the committee – will be based on travel. I'm sure he's got numbers. I'm sure he's got numbers, like how much it will cost the district as, you know, as opposed to the other district. Also time, that kind of thing, travel. I know know for a fact that Wes spent, once the districts were announced, Wes spent, before the appeal, spent a real amount of time crunching the numbers and doing that stuff. I, oh, I know yeah. that for a fact that they were oh, I'm that, sure. that they were doing that and they were, you know, what, you know, 
how much more expensive it is, what to travel, what how how much time did it take to get to Alamo Heights or Bernie or Kerrville Tyvee, how much time did it take to get back, what time will we be getting back on a Friday night? This, this is stuff that on Friday I know for a fact that they were doing. Oh, yeah, and I know. And, and uh, actually I spoke to a coach at Cuero. You know, they go to San Antonio quite frequently. Yeah. Now, Cuero to San Antonio is a it's a, ha- it's yeah. a half an hour or so less, but – he, he said that now your trip to Kerrville, he said that's three and a half hours on a bus, mm-hmm. you know, unless I guess you have a charter, then maybe it'd be a little faster. So the, the way I, what I was told is that it, a charter takes about 30, going to Kerrville takes about an hour out, out of the round trip. So I was told nine on a yellow bus and eight on a charter for the round trip from west to Kerrville. That's yeah. what I was told. And uh, you know the JVs aren't going to be riding a charter. No, they're not. So and are you going to get are you gonna get charters for the drill team and the band yeah. and all? I mean, that's... Oh, I mean, yeah. you just, you're just adding to the cost there. Yeah, so there's going to be some uh, hardships. And, uh, you know, we'll find out. And uh, uh, one thing we know for sure is that for East, for instance, and if West gets left in that district, it, they're going to have to raise their level of, of play. I mean, because the competition is going to be that much better. And uh, it's going to force them to, you know, raise their level. Of, of uh, performance. Yeah, for West, it's, I mean, it's going to have to happen at the line of scrimmage because we saw them and, you know, you take the Miller game, for instance, where they just couldn't, you know, both Miller games, they, just, they couldn't get stops consistently. And now you're going to be seeing more teams who are at that caliber offensively. And so, yeah, the West, the West, the West line play, the, I mean, really the whole West, the West defense as a whole will have to take a step, will have to take a step forward if, if they are to be be competitive in that district, I'm so you said sixty forty no would be how you lean. I talked to someone in Corpus yesterday who felt the inverse. They kind of they felt sixty forty yes. They yeah. felt like they would win the appeal, and I think it is just. I'm curious to see the case that Spencer Gant presents and what the numbers they came up with are because that depending on how jarring the numbers are, it's, yeah, it's. I could see it being hard if it's – I don't have exact numbers, but if it's – let's say it's two and a half times the cost, yeah. you know, going on road trips, I could see that, like, being on that committee and thinking, okay, like, are there a real reason we're doing – I'm just the logical part of my yeah. brain is working <laughs> and thinking like that, which that's not always how decisions get made. Yeah. But that that's just kind of how I'm thinking of, you know, if you're looking at it, if it's two and a half times the cost, and that's the number I'm throwing out there, I don't really know anything. Mm-hmm. But it's if, if that's the number, then that's like, if you're on that board, like how could you not sit there and be kind of like, wow, and this yeah. is, it's such a simple, if, if it's something that feels from our perspective at least like it's such a simple fix well for instance i another argument i think spencer's gant's going to use is that look you put us in a basketball district with fort bend and you know rosenberg richmond schools um we're not appealing that um because distance wise it's almost the same i mean there there are some trips that might be might be farther well like and that Kemner trip's also a lot that trip's also a lot easier because yeah, it's it's, you're just 59. going up 59 yeah 
And uh, as opposed to going 87, mm-hmm. which is, uh, as we know, it's not an easy road, right. especially late at night. I've, right. You know, I've done I, that I've many driven, we, we both driven that road. And funny. believe me, and if the weather's bad, I mean, that is not a ride you want to make back late at night. So uh, we'll see how it works out. I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm sure they've, they've laid out their case. Uh, and, uh, you know, you just never know. I, I mean... You can't really predict what the UIL is going to do. I mean, we've learned that so many times. Yeah, we we all thought it was so cut and dry where Wes was going to end up. I I am yeah. I am very intrigued by the case Spencer Gant is going to make. That's that's the thing to me. I'm I'm very intrigued to hear to hear the case he makes because this is my first time. You know, in New Mexico, we never had anything like this when I worked over yeah. there. This is the first time I've been able to cover something like this so i'm i'm ex- I, you know i'm excited to see yeah, this, I, this I situation have, kind of play out i can't really recall uh you know this happening since i've been here um we've had some is- instances where uh teams have opted up you know that's happened uh, in fact west did it you know last time but uh i've never that i can recall i'm sure there's probably been a couple of times but an appeal like this, yeah, this will this will be this is something that'll be really interesting to follow, and we'll be covering it on on our website on social media, kind of as it plays out. When uh, next week, I believe, no, next week's the deadline. Two weeks from now yeah, is when when the, the hearing, hearing will yeah. actually be. So yeah, they've given notice. Uh, there was, I know, I believe Lufkin was in a similar situation, and I know it appealed, yeah. but. Uh, there, there, there probably won't be that many. There may be a few up there mm. for them to hear. Yeah, so I'm curious to see how all of this, how all of this plays, how how all of this plays out. But that's going to do it for realignment talk this week. I'm sure we'll we'll talk more about it going forward. Yesterday was the second national signing day of the year. We got two of them now, one in December, one in February. Saw a bunch of local athletes sign yesterday. Mike and I will be back here to talk about that right after this message from White Trash Services. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And, you know, y'all are are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all, all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361 550 one eight two six. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, eight to five during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. All right, we are back. Episode seventy four of the grid, Mike. It was a a busy day for you and I yesterday. Well, you, I mean, Mike Foreman, guys, is a real trooper. He was, uh, he was up in Edna at seven thirty a.m. and he was everywhere in the crossroads throughout the day. 
It was a crazy day. Uh, you know, um, it's funny, though. It's it's not the same. Um, this transfer portal has really, you know, made things different. Um, you know, uh, you, we used to have a lot, it seemed like, a lot more people signing. But uh, we had quite a few, and um, I'm happy for any of those uh, athletes that are able to get the opportunity to keep playing. Yeah, it is. I was talking to someone today about about the transfer portal, and I feel like there's, and we've seen it through this area, there's fewer kids signing to, I'll use my alma mater as an example, there's fewer kids out of high school signing to a Sam Houston type of place because they're, Sam Houston will grab kids who went, maybe a four-star recruit who went to a big school didn't get on the field, now they'll grab them out of the transfer portal or whether that's a running back or a lineman or whoever. And then the bigger schools, unless you're like a four- or five-star recruit, which there aren't many of those, period. I mean, unless you're the fastest kid in the state and Ernest Campbell or Joseph Dodds or Carlon Jones, it's it's harder to get the D1 guy. It's harder to get to D1 for a lot of these guys. So you see a lot of what we had at Victoria West with Kamari Montgomery, who I think in the past could have ended up at a Sam Houston or Stephen F. Austin, now goes to Eastern New Mexico and – when I was out there talking to Kamari yesterday, he was he, – he's always chomping at the bit. He's always excited and ready to go. But he just kept over and over again saying, I can't wait to get on the field. I'm trying to get on the field as soon as possible. Coach said, I, I work, I do my thing. I think I can get on the field. So that's one where, while the transfer portal, maybe you don't have as many guys going D1, I think you're starting to see more and more younger guys make an impact immediately at the D2 and D3 level in ways we didn't see in the past. And that's – for Kamari Montgomery or someone like Tyson Owens, that's, you know, I'm curious to see how quickly those guys can get on the field. Tyson Owens going to Texas A&M Kingsville. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, although Tyson said he might redshirt a year because he wants to get bigger and stronger. But, uh, yeah, a lot of them, you know, and, and I think in the back of these mi- back of their minds, a lot of these athletes know that, hey, if I perform, then I'll have a chance to right. go somewhere bigger. And uh, that's true. I mean, you know, if they perform well, they can go in the portal and get picked up by a bigger school. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's an interesting time. I know, uh, you know, until they somebody figures out this whole how we're doing the portal, you know, can, uh, you know, these transfers every year, transfers or, you know, maybe uh, – you know, and I, I don't know if you were you, – we, we had a case now recently where uh, the art, I believe the athletes at Dartmouth are trying to unionize. And uh, someone pointed out, too, well, if they're a union, that means they'll sign a contract. Sign and doesn't, a contract. Doesn't that bind them to that school? So th- that's what becomes really interesting. Yeah. They're talking about – I didn't know that we were going to go down this path, but I'm actually this is something I'm actually passionate about, yeah. so I'm excited to talk about this. The um, so in no walk of life can you just at any time leave somewhere, like it, it doesn't, you know, even in the NFL, like you have a contract or a team has to release you, things like that. You can't just decide, oh, I'm leaving the Kansas City Chiefs to go play for the Oakland yeah. Raiders, like you uh, can't, yeah, at no point can you just decide that in college football or just even in the standard workplace, right? And in college football, that's the case right now, and so if there is. I think eventually in college football there's going to be collective bargaining. There's going to be some kind of players union player association. Does that mean you're on? Are you on year to year contracts? Are you tied? Our teams, our guys out of high school are going to sign 
you know, for their NIL, they have to be there for at least two yeah. years or thing or things like that. There were actually some rumors that that's a couple years ago. That's what was going on at A and M with that greatest recruiting class ever. They brought in a couple of years ago that they had guys on kind of multi-year. Like if you stay this long, you get this amount of money, et cetera. That's that's just rumors. I don't I don't think that's been confirmed. But I'm I'm curious to see what the direction is in the future because at, at some point the guardrails have to go up on a transfer portal because it's. The, the example I gave this morning talking to somebody was, so Nick Saban leaves Alabama. So yeah. Alabama, every one of their players is, ba- it's basically free agency for them. But Bama can't go and get new players because the portal's closed yeah. everywhere else. So then Bama hires Kalen DeBoer from Washington. So now Washington players <laughs> open season, but Washington can't do the same yeah. unless with the Alab- unless it's with you know those guys from Alabama. Then Washington hires Jed Fish. All Arizona's guys are on the market. The Arizona hires a San Jose State head coach. Yeah. All those guys are on the market. And of course, San Jose State hires somebody. And then it's it's a domino that keeps going to fall. But then those schools are put. At, all their players can leave. But then who who is coming in? Like they they can be recruited against, but they can't recruit for themselves. So it's a really weird. And with the way the college football calendar works, with you want to get these guys on campus before the start of the spring semester, but you have the bowl games in January. It's a really hard needle you're trying to thread there yeah and here yeah that in fact it was interesting um i was talking to bo robinson at when i was in yokum about this and uh, he played at ut he played a little bit in the pros for the falcons but uh he said he tells his kids he says do not go to school for a coach he says because a coach is probably going to leave before you 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 finish that's especially just, especially like a position coach yeah that's just the nature of the of the profession and he said because uh, I told him I said you know don't you think it's fair that if a coach leaves a, a you know a player should be able to leave and he said well you shouldn't go to school for a coach you should go for the school like you know but that's easier said than done. It's easier yeah. said than done. And so much of this is, I mean, our job's like this too, where it's building relationships with people. So as yeah. a, you know, as a coach, you're building relationships with these kids. As a, as a player, a big part of why you're making your decision, and it's it's not Kamari, I think I used Kamari's quote in my yeah. article, but it's not just Kamari. It's everybody I talk to is the coaching staff. It felt yeah. like home over there, the coaching staff. And I'm sure you got a lot of that yesterday yeah. as well. And it's, I remember when I was being recruited, coming out of high school it it was the the coaching staff the relationships you build with those coaches and right. at 18 years old you're a little naive to think because you've probably had the same high school coach for your entire four-year high school tenure you're a little naive to think oh he could be gone in 18 months he could be gone in a year you you're not thinking that way because you're yeah. thinking man i i think that if i'm a running back i think this running backs coach is awesome i, I really like the offensive coordinator i lo- really love the style i think that really works for me it could be a whole new staff in 12 months. And that's something oh, yeah. that at 18 years old, I don't think you're you're really meant to think that way yeah. at that age. Yeah, that's that's true. There's a lot of issues. But, you know, that being said, we did have uh, uh, Nick Angerstein from uh, Sacred Heart that's going to Stephen F. Austin. Going to Stephen F. Austin. You know, I, I really like uh, what the way he did it. Um, he looked at a lot of schools. Um, you know, Sam was there, and so was Tarleton State, and Tulsa originally came in on him. But what he did, he waited, kind of looked around to see uh, what schools had kickers. Yeah. And uh, as it turns out, Stephen F. has a six-year senior. They'll be back next year. And after that, it's pretty much that's it. So he thinks he can get on the field right away as kickoffs 
and then hopefully by his next year start kicking extra points and field goals. So, uh, you know, that was a smart move on his part. Uh, you know, and I, I'm I'm just glad to see, too, um, you know, if you want to play and you're halfway decent, you, you can find a place. I mean, look, I think a great example of that is – I know they haven't signed yet, but you look at Victoria East. There's going to be a lot of guys from over there. I'm guessing like eight or nine. Yeah, that are going to play on the next level now. Most of them will be at NAIA schools probably, but there's nothing wrong with that. A couple of JUCO guys as well. And and I mean, and here's the thing. It's like we said, and it's like I talked to Kadarius Price who's going to Texas College. You know, if – if you perform well enough, you know, you can go somewhere else. So, uh, you know, just take an opportunity if you really want to play. Now, you know, like uh, I thought it was great, like, to see uh, Kai Whitmire and Isaiah Avery go to U- University of Mary Harden Baylor because, let's face it, I mean, that's a D3. And UMHV is a D3 and name only. Because, I mean, <laughs> if you've ever seen the facilities and uh, – just that whole program. Should you ever see them play? Yeah, <laughs> they're outstanding, and uh, I think that's going to be a great place for those guys. And, I actually uh, watched UMHB win a national championship in 2018. Yeah. I, I had a friend who played for them. The uh, so I, in that same conference, the American Southwest Conference, a couple of Quero guys, uh, Brant Patek and Dalen Gibbs, signed to Harden Simmons, who yeah. actually won the yeah. the ASC last year, and they're. There are a couple of guys, you know, Patek said, hey, we're, you know, we're going over there. Quero's won a lot of games. We're going over there. We're trying to help them take the next step, going from conference champions to national champions, which in that conference, obviously with the UMHB, has happened before. And that's one where, it, you know, it's always there, – there is something to, like, winners recruit winners type of deal. Yeah. Like, Quero's won a lot of games. Harden-Simmons is – they were kind of a middling team in the conference for a long time. They've, they've been solid, but now it does feel like they're turning a corner and a, a team that, you know, is going to try to make some noise for the next four years. You get a couple guys from Cuero who Patek and Dalen Gibbs have, have a lot of experience in winning football games. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, uh, I don't know if it was his size or his 40 time or what, but uh, I don't know, you know, I was stunned that Brand. Pa- Brand Patek didn't get more offers. I mean, if you watch him play, I mean, uh, the guy's, you know, he, he's there all the time yeah. making tackles. He, he's a big guy physically. I got to see him a little bit yesterday. You know you know who I was kind of impressed by the size of was Nathan Lucian. Uh-huh. For, those, for those podcast listeners who have not seen me in person, I, I'm what some would call a large human being. <laughs> and Nathan Lucian was, look, he was looking at me basically eye to eye and, he was about every bit as big of me as big as me as well. A little, uh, a little faster than I am though at this stage. But I think he he's someone, and he's a tie, he's a tight end. His his body type, I think he's someone who's going to yeah. translate well to the next level. Yeah, and I think also it's important to point out that uh, there'll be more people signing. You know, we're yeah. going to have the way things are set up. Well, we now. mentioned East. They're going to have yeah, a lot. Yeah, East will have a lot. And there'll be some other guys in the area that also uh, sign, you know, just later on. A lot of times D3s will, you know, yeah. that'll happen later. Yeah, you want, especially for D3s, you, they're a big part of it at that level. Cause, so D3 doesn't offer athletic yeah. scholarships in name. But if they, you know, 
if they like you, they'll find you different scholarships. They, they yeah. I mean, it's not an athletic scholarship, but they'll find you different scholarships to help you pay for it. And a lot of those schools are smaller private schools, so then the the financial aspect comes into play a little bit more versus if you're going to UTRGV or like in Kamari Montgomery's case, going to Eastern New Mexico, which are public, uh-huh. you know, public institutions, not quite as high a, a price point as a Mary Harden Baylor or uh-huh. Harden Simmons or some of these other private schools. But it was. My, I mean, shoot, we had a bunch of athletes sign yesterday. So, that's, you know, that's always fun for us. We we talk about recognizing the, the elite athletes in this area. And yesterday was uh, was the banner day for that. Yeah, well, now we're going to switch over to the basketball court. But first, we're going to hear a message from our friends over at Thrivent Financial, episode 74 of The Grid. We'll be right back. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. We are back, episode 74 of The Grid. As always, Mike and I were on the basketball courts in the middle of the week. Mike, you went to Quero. The Lady Gobblers got quite a team over there this year, and Amy Crane hit a head coach Amy Crane hit a milestone this week. Right. She got win number 200, a pretty special night. Uh, it came when they finished district, uh, perfect 12-0. and 0. Uh, So it was really nice to see uh the uh, fans and the team, they had a pretty good crowd for that game. And uh, the fans and uh, her team gave her a poster, a basketball. It, it was a neat deal. Um, and Amy, I think, was generally surprised. I, She said she doesn't keep track of those things. And, uh, you know, I asked her daughter, I saw her, and I said, did she really not know? And she goes, well, she may have an idea that she was close, but I don't think she really knew. So that was cool, and uh, you know, Amy, uh, it's you know quite a story there. I mean, you know, she didn't get into coaching till later in life. She had a career and a successful career, and uh, I guess the love of the game brought her back. And uh, as she said, she's had to relearn some things, and you know, learn the modern game, so to speak, how the players are different. But uh, you know, great job, and just. The thing about Amy, she's a genuinely good person too, so it's easy to root for her. Yeah, and that's a, that's a really good team she has over there at Quero oh, yeah. this year. You mentioned undefeated in the district; they got a lot of height, a lot of athleticism. That's that's a team that, as the playoffs start next week, is one that you know we always want our teams to go far. That's one that has a chance to really do so. Yeah, I think the key for them is uh, they got to limit turnovers. That's a big thing, and they got to make their shots. They have to take good shots. Um, they they obviously going to work their their two posts, you know, and not very many teams can match up. That would be uh, the issue, I think, where if they do match up with a team where it has a lot of height, that might pose a little bit of a challenge. Although, I just will how say, do they handle that? Yeah, they probably haven't seen that. Well, much. yeah, that's the reason because they do have the quickness to to play with a team like that, but they I, they really I don't think have been forced to do that. Yeah, it's always – we've talked about this in football all the time. You want to have some kind of test, some kind of something. Now, Cuero has Lavernia in their district, but they've 
you know, they've beaten Lavernia twice. They've been able to, you know, kind of make easy work of the last couple of months. So that's always it's it can be difficult going from, you know, cruising through going being in cruise control through a lot of your games to, you know, playing a real tough game first, second round of the postseason. Well, you were in Cuero. I was at the District Event Center. Mike, I've been here almost a year. That was my first <laughs> time being at the District Event Center uh, since coming to Victoria. Victoria East versus Flower Bluff Girls Basketball District Championship in 29-5A. And it was, I mean, East did not look like the team we've seen all year. Flower Bluff beat them. It was 49-33 was the final. And uncharacteristic of East, uh, sloppy, a lot of turnovers, mm-hmm. and... Just not not the team that you and I have watched for the last several months. Yeah, and I think uh, I read, read in your story what uh, Yolanda Wimbish-North said, that, you know, this is not the, the finality. This is a test, and that taught them, I think. This is what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to adjust to that and play better to be successful in the playoffs. And, uh you know, that's a good lesson to get, although you want to be the district champion, obviously. But I think it's a, it's good that it happened now and not, you know, obviously if it happens next week, you're gone. But, uh, you know, I think they got a taste that, you know, in district they were pretty much able to get it to the post and, you know, at will and pretty much let the post score. Uh, it's going to be more difficult in the playoffs, and those guards are going to have to take charge and, uh, you know, kind of get that offense going. Yeah. So w- what had happened throughout the game? Flower Bluff spent basically the entire the entire game in a two three zone, and East. You know, anytime you talk to Yolanda, she'll tell you like, we want to go inside out. We want to play through the bigs. We want to get the ball inside. And she, you know, broken record. She'll say that over and over again. You know why? Those are the best, most high percentage shots. Flower Bluff just said, we're, we're going to make it as hard as we can for you to get it inside. There, every time KK Cleveland got the ball, multiple bodies around her, she was able to still score, you know, a little bit, but it was it was very difficult. Flower Bluff also, they had three girls over six foot. They they present a lot of problems. And East, because they've been, Mike, you and I talked about this Tuesday night, because East has been so drilled through, you know, because four of these girls are seniors, and Valentine, a soft, Avery Valentine, a sophomore who's played a lot of basketball, they've been so drilled their entire career. Get the ball inside. Go inside. Get the ball inside. <laughs> They're trying to – they were trying to force it into a defense. When, there were times where they probably should have just taken a three or taken mm-hmm. an outside shot or just, ta- you know, take what the defense gives them. The way you get a zone defense to either come out of the – zone or extend to make it easier easier for you to get the ball inside you got to hit some outside shots because un, until you prove that you're willing and able to make those shots if i'm in a zone and my, my coaching point is don't let them get the ball inside well i'm gonna do what my coach says and don't let them get the ball inside now if you make a couple of threes on me i'm gonna start to come out a little bit lanes start to open up so i think that was a good lesson for east and i think they they were they were too dependent like on their game plan and just at some point, you need to not totally scrap what they were doing, but say, hey, we need to make them respect us from the perimeter, make them come out. That way, it's easier for us to drive the gaps in the zone. It's easier to enter the ball inside. And that's something that you mentioned lessons learned. That I Better you learn that lesson now than a yeah. week from now. And I think a, another way, and I don't know if, if she feels like she's able to do this, but another way to do that is to speed up the tempo. 
you know, pressing. Bluff did a really good job in transition defense. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't there mm-hmm. there wasn't much and Bluff. Bit, I mentioned the three six footers, all yeah. athletic. They don't have anyone who's you know slow footed out there. All all fleet footed, all fleet footed girls. Yeah, because for so long, you know, uh, Yolanda's teams, and I think she learned this from uh, Coach Lahudney, um, you know, that so much of their offense was based off their defense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you if you can get the ball in transition, sometimes that can negate some yeah. of that height. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have to take care of the basketball. And uh, like you said, I mean, and the thing is well, – I thought Avery, a lot of the turnovers were unforced, so that's actually yeah, not what concerns me. Yeah, really. and another thing is, you know, we, Avery Valentine can shoot the basketball. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, she just uh, – I know she's a sophomore, but – you know, I think they they just have to tell her, look, you can shoot and have confidence. And if you've got that three-pointer wide open, take it. And if you start hitting them, they're going to have to come out on you. Make them respect you from out there. So, you, I mean, you mentioned the defense getting over. Flower Bluff just didn't turn the ball over a whole lot. And, so, and they did a good job in transition defense. And I actually think for a lot of the game, it wasn't that East played bad defensively. I thought she yeah. thought both defenses largely played pretty well. It was a very physical game as well. But it's just – it was really hard in the half court against that zone for mm-hmm. East to get much going. I think they were – they were too tied to we have to get the ball inside. It's like, well, if they're not, you know, they have a team in football. If they're stacking the box on you, okay, <laughs> yeah. let's not run into the nine-man yeah. box. Let's let's go let a playmaker make a play. And that's – learn that lesson now. The turnovers, I thought a lot of them were unforced and just a matter of we got to get inside. Yeah. I think you, you you take away the unforced ones, I, I don't, which, you know, you take away the unforced ones. I don't think East – the turnovers weren't really the issue. It was – but I think – I think Flower Bluffs are a really, really good team. We talk about yeah. team, they're not in our coverage area, but they're a team that yeah. would shock me if they go far. That's a really good program they have over there. Mike, we got a fun game Friday night. You will be at Rice Consolidated for Hallettsville versus Edna, the district championship over there, and I think that's 29-3A or 28-3A. I don't know. I get, lo- I yeah. get lost. We cover so, so many districts. So many districts, yeah. But that will be – so we were talking about this for the show. I was at the second one of the – they played twice in a regular season, split, both went 13-1 and one in district play. Really unique split, though. They go to Edna back – this was back in December. Or, no, this is uh, – yeah, December, maybe early January. They go to Edna, and Edna wins by 26. Just absolutely crushes Hallettsville. Go back, go back to Hallettsville in, in January, and uh, Hallettsville goes and returns a favor, wins by 23 points. I was at that game. I talked to Edna's coach after the game, and he said, uh, uh, Coach Dustin Durham, and he goes, look, the first time we played them, they shot, I think that he said like 16%. Like, <laughs> we knew they would never shoot that badly again. And then he said, tonight, which was the second time they played them, they shot some ridiculous percentage. They were super hot. They'll never shoot like that again. <laughs> so, and, and Edna, the last, you know, 12 minutes of that game did not play well either. And so you kind of had the two extremes. It's rare you get a third matchup where the first two were blowouts in opposite directions. So I'm... I'm very interested to see how your game plays out tomorrow night. Yeah, it will be interesting. Uh, both those teams, you know, they're they're both good, yeah. and uh, you know that it's like you said, it's hard to figure when you had such two such totally different games. That's you know, it's hard to put your finger on to say, hey, I think this team is better. Mm-hmm. 
And it's also two teams who play. Mike, I, you've seen you've seen both teams this year, I, I believe. Have I haven't seen? Oh, that oh you haven't seen that. So the teams play very different styles yeah. as well as the other thing. So it's not like a strength on like it's they play very differently. Hallettsville a little more like overall balanced. They do play through Macy Herring. That yeah. that's who's probably their best player. But really, what impressed me with Hallettsville is the cohesion of the group. And then you know Shanti Geta for. For Edna is one of the better players we have in this area, and she's someone who even in the loss, I think she had like 23 points. Like she's, mm. she's just someone who can really just go and get a bucket. And I, when you have these like one-off games, yeah. these big games, when you have that one athlete who can we can just give it to them and say, hey, go make a play. That plays a huge role. Yeah, and I, I'm really curious as, as uh, I'm not sure what the district rules are there, uh, whether this was mandated. Or they just decided to play, and maybe the brackets are that much different. I don't know, but uh, that you never know in these type games. Well, I'll say this: after the second time they played, there was a little bit of we'll call it extracurricular oh, okay. activity. I I think these teams, both locker rooms, were wanting to play again. That's probably true, but at at the same time, look, somebody's going to go into the playoffs with a loss. And you don't like that. I mean, you prefer to avoid that. But, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, hey, Ditcher Championship game is a whole lot better than practice, though, on a yeah, Friday night. That's, that's true. And, I mean, yeah, because it uh, gets you ready for the competition you're fixing to see. So uh, we'll see how that goes out. And, uh, yeah, it, it this it'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, that that'll be a really that'll be a really fun one. I'm ex, I'm re, I'm excited to I'm excited for you because that was again just such interesting game. Like just the difference in results. I, I think this one there's I don't think there's gonna be any blowout at tomorrow night at Rice Consolidated. I think we have a game that's gonna come down to the last couple of minutes. What I'm curious too is I I'm assuming that the reason they're playing at, at Rice is because of the district rules because. Right. It's kind of like uh, Bluff and e and East played here. You know, the, apparently this game has to be played in the, in, in the, the hometown of the district, yeah. you know, that you're in. Because otherwise, I mean, Edna and Houtsville could just as easily come over here yeah. and play. But uh, I think – Or it, even go like to Yoakum or – Well, Yoakum it could have been. That's another possibility. But it, I think it has to be a district gym mm-hmm. because uh, – they probably have it in the rules where the team they don't have to pay for it. That's yeah. probably a big deal. You know that saves them. Yeah, so if you try to get a neutral side. Yeah, saves them money, and then of course the school hosting can make money on the concessions. So, uh, you know, I, I I would think that's the reason why. Yeah, but that's one that'll be a really good game on Friday night. I'll be out at Victoria East, Victoria West soccer. We're getting out on the pitch. This this is kind of our equinox right now. Every you know softball starting next week, and we're gonna have you know some things about that in the weekend edition. Baseball starting a week after. We're getting regional wrestling, regional swimming, going into the state meets for those events. Yeah. Girls and boys basketball playoffs. It's all it's all kind of coming to a head right now. Yeah, it is. And uh, with that being said, we want to remind uh, all you basketball uh, coaches out there to please. Uh, send us your all-area nominations. The sooner the better we can get on this because uh, we want to have a, you know, a good representation. Uh, we, we were pretty lucky in uh, volleyball, and we did real well in football too. So uh, if you can help us out in that area. And the other thing is we need your pairing. 
Uh, yeah, get those pairings to us. We're trying to figure out where we're going to be next week. Yeah, we're trying to – we're waiting to see. Uh, I'm sure usually there are some Monday games. So uh, well, Yeah, we've gotten a couple in uh, kind of – Kind of, kind of far away from us, though. Yeah, so uh, just you know, just email your pairing to sports at vicad.com, and uh, we'll appreciate. It. We'll get that. We'll get that up on our website too, so you can kind of look and see what games are out there. Yeah, so get those pairings to us. We gotta figure out where we're gonna be Monday and Tuesday and next week. So, Mike, this is this is a sports podcast. That's you know mm-hmm. that, that's what we do here. So we're contractually legally. We're not allowed to end the show before we give a Super Bowl winner oh, for this one. So Mike, as a Raiders fan, is just a huge fan of both the 49ers and the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. he, he loves that they're playing the Super Bowl in the, in the Raiders stadium. Yeah. This is going to be tough for me because <laughs> I, I do not like either team, to be honest. Although I, I will say I have nothing against Patrick Mahomes or Brock Purdy. I mean uh, – you know, I always admired Purdy for what he did at Iowa State, and then of course Mahomes is just tremendous. So uh, I don't know. I, I guess if you're asking me for a prediction, I'm going to go with. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Chiefs. You're going to go Kansas City. So I, so I, so I love Kyle Shanahan, Mike. Yeah. So he was the offense coordinator in Houston years ago. He had Matt Schaub throwing for five thousand <laughs> yards, which is you know, and nothing short of an act of God <laughs> that he did that for any Texans fan that watched Matt Schaub play. And then you know he goes to Washington, and you know he went yeah. down. He he won Matt Ryan an MVP award. I've always loved Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. But this is I, I I'm with you. I'm on the Chiefs as well. I, I think the Chiefs defense is really, really good and no one talks you know, we obviously Mahomes, Kelsey are the yeah. big stars. Andy Reid's an offensive coach. I I mentioned I love Kyle Shanahan. I love Andy Reid as well. I think Shanahan's kind of on his Andy Reid path. He doesn't have his pa- he just doesn't have his Patrick Mahomes yet. Maybe yeah. wait another fifteen years. Um <laughs> uh, hey, he's only forty four. He'll be at the Shanahan will be at this a while. But it's uh with Patrick I Patrick Mahomes being the best quarterback in the NFL right now. The Chiefs' defense being what they are. It does feel like their offense has found a second year. Kelsey, an older player, getting the week of rest. I'm rooting for the – my heart says the 49ers. I'm rooting for the 49ers. I want to see Kyle Shanahan get his ring. Help me win a lot of arguments with some friends of mine. But <laughs> I, it's hard – it's hard for me to go against Patrick. It's hard for me to go against Patrick Mahomes. It's hard for me to go against the Kansas City Chiefs. They they seem to find a new level in the playoffs. I'm I'm begrudgingly on the on the Kansas City Chiefs in this one, but I think it'll be a good game all the way around. It's a, I text someone today. It's this this is in no way is this game a mismatch. In no way is this you know one sided. But a lot of star players on both sides. I think two great coaches, and I think both teams have some flaws as well. So it may I think it'll make for good television, even though if, even if Mike might be begrudgingly watching two yeah. of his teams. Well, I'll be watching. Rivals. I believe uh, it's a San Francisco is a two point favorite. Uh, they opened at two and a half, went down to one and a half. Yeah. Now it's now it's at one and a half two. It's it's been going back and forth. I actually like you know your your wife loves this stuff. Over I, I, under. Yeah. I, 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 I'm on the under. Yeah. I think the Chiefs' defense is really underrated. Chiefs have not really been in a shootout this year. I think the Niners – Trent Williams is great. Outside of that, the Niners' offensive line isn't very good. I think the 
think the Chiefs defense's line is going to do something. I think this is a lower score. And I think a lot of people are thinking this is going to be like a 31-28 type of game. I'm thinking more of like a 23-20, you know, type of type of scoreline here. I think the over-under is at 47 or 47 and a half. So I'm I'm on the under here. I think this is going to be for as great as Purdy has been this season and McCaffrey is awesome and all yeah. the weapons the Niners have, Mahomes, Mahomes and Kelsey are obviously fantastic. Two offensive coaches. I think this is a lower-scoring football game. Well, uh, yeah, I do know this. I mean, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, two teams that uh, they've pretty much been – well, Kansas City has struggled at times this yeah, year. Yeah, Kansas City, this has been a up-and-down yeah. season for them. Yeah, so, uh, it, you know, we'll see if they've uh, found their magic, you know, at the right time. And uh, – you know, the the thing about it is, if you look at it, if you want a play made, who better than Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, you know, that's pretty much the obvious. I know uh, our friend Tyler Tyree, a big Texas Tech supporter, will be all up, be, uh, be rooting for the Chiefs, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, well, we do know too. We'll see what uh, what is the best commercial too. We'll always I tell you, so Paramount out. released their commercial yeah. for the Super Bowl early, and that's my that's the early favorite in the clubhouse. For with me. The, that commercial with Beckham, was awesome. you mean David Beckham? No, so they got like Tua was like the NFL guy in it, but they had yeah. like a bunch of Paramount uh, branded like characters, like uh, SpongeBob was in it, or like yeah. Hey Arnold, like all these different. Char- fictional characters and <laughs> it's so you'll see it on Super Bowl Sunday. I, th- I thought the commercial was hilarious, but so we'll see what the best commercial is. You mentioned a minute ago, like Patrick Mahomes, just if, who better than to make a play? That's what I can't get past. Is yeah, in the I, I believe this will be a close game. Like I said, I think it's going to be like 23 20, 23 17, something like that. And you saw at the end of the Ravens game, you know, the Chiefs have like third and nine, and Mahomes yeah. just throws a bomb to Valdez Scantling to ice the game. And unless the the 49ers can just keep the ball out of his hands the last seven minutes of the ball game. Yeah. I, it's just hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes do, you know, doing something great. Cause he, he's a great player. It's hard for me to bet against him doing something great late in the game. That's how they won the last Super Bowl against the 49ers back in 2020 was him just, even though he played bad the first three yeah. quarters, just making plays third and what was it 18 yeah. the, the massive play to Tyreek Hill it's just hard for me to get bet against Patrick Mahomes doing something spectacular and as good as Brock Purdy it has been this year I he does I don't think he has that in his bag in his repertoire yeah. so and no offense to Dan Campbell but if the Chiefs have third and uh, or fourth and three or four on the 30-yard line, they're kicking a field goal. Hey, well, hey, Harrison Butker is one of the better playoff <laughs> kickers in recent. Reed, Andy Reid's, Reed and Shanahan, neither of them are super aggressive yeah. fourth down decision. And again, I think this is going to be like Lions 49ers. That that was a shootout. Yeah. This is not. I I don't think any either team gets a 30. I don't think either team gets the 27. The, I think this is a. It is crazy because all the we talk about all the stars on offense. I think this is a grinded out defensive football game. So you get in scoring range. Yeah, take the three points, guys. <laughs> yeah, really. And, hey, I'm picking against you, Brock Purdy. I know you listen to the show. <laughs> picking against you. I have some 
Not the nicest tweets about you. I don't think you're elite. Prove me wrong, Brock Purdy. Prove me wrong. Go win a, go win a Super Bowl for my man Kyle Shanahan. I'm rooting for the 49ers. I can't say that for Mike. I think Mike's rooting for both teams to lose. Yeah. You're right there. I, I have to confess. Yeah. I think Mike's rooting for both teams to lose. Well, on that note, I think we've used all the time we have here in the basement today. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 74 of The Grid. Basketball playoffs start this week. A lot going on in the area. Sports softball starting next week as well. We got some outstanding softball teams in the area this year. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week on The Grid.